0: Hi everybody, welcome to the Coach Bono's podcast in the studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Hey, we're recorded live at the undisclosed location of the O'Connor Advisor Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at Oagks.com You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Coach Bo Knows show. Check out our Facebook page, search Coach Bono's show, you'll find it there we got some fun updates on there. We're going to put some stuff on there just to have a little fun. And uh, want to kind of build a little bit of a community there. So you'll see a little more action here in the coming weeks on our social networks. You can also email us anytime at Show at gmail.com. So it's CoachBo, B-O, Knows, K-N-O-W-S, Show at gmail.com. This is episode 21 and uh, we're going to do a little review. It's just going to be me tonight. Uh, I'm actually, I know we're a nowhere day late. Usually these come out on Monday. But we had wild card weekend in the NFL, and I wanted to wait till the Monday night game was done so we could go over all the games, have some fun with it. I've got some things I want to talk about. i got a I got a uh, non-football take as well coming. Big thing is I want to go over each of the games and then have the schedule set up so we can Talk about the upcoming week on the .5 with Ellen. So uh, we're going to get started. I want to start with the Chiefs-Steelers game. Um, This was, uh, well, this was just awful. Um, And I don't mean awful for the Chiefs. For the Chiefs, the Chiefs fans, um, Mahomes was Mahomes. Uh, We kind of thought this was going to happen. We thought we'd see a little more of Patrick Mahomes getting loose and doing some Patrick Mahomes things. Chiefs did come out the gate, started slow. They were scoreless in the first quarter, and then started t- uh, putting some things together. Uh, Mahomes was great uh, in the game. Um Mahomes goes 30 for 39, 404 yardage, and five touchdowns. A lot of that was Mahomes holding the ball, waiting for big plays to happen. And I gotta be gotta tell you, I thought two things stood out to me. It wasn't Mahomes. Uh, two things, to One, they ran the ball extremely well. The Chiefs ran the ball 22 times for 106 yards. I thought McKinnon was impressive. The line played great. Um, they, they really, the Chiefs really looked like they were the team to beat, and uh, they looked great. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about their opponent coming up here in a little bit, but I think we're going to have some really fun stuff with that. Um, again, I think I don't know if the Chiefs are back. But what I will say is I thought the Steelers were awful. I don't think they were prepared. I don't think this team cared. You know, Roethlisberger came out early in the week and said, you know, basically we don't have much of a chance. I'm going to go have some fun. Um, I'm going to have a take here. This is not going to be popular. But this was more about the Steelers being awful than the Chiefs being good. And that's not even the take. The take is, I think the Steelers should fire Mike Mike Tomlin. Yeah, I said it. Um, the only way that I don't think the Steelers should fire Mike Tomlin is if we come to find out that in the preseason this season, the Steelers told Mike Tomlin, hey, you're not getting any help at quarterback. It is what it is. Do the best you can. If that was the situation, then they should keep Mike Tomlin. But if not, if that wasn't the situation, Mike Tomlin has to be fired. That was the least prepared football team I've seen in the NFL in a long time. I've never seen a playoff team as ill-prepared as that. Um, Let's just talk a little bit about the Steelers and where they're at. They finished the season um, 9-7-1. They backdoored their way into the last playoff spot. Uh, they get the two seed because the one seed is on a bye. This is the team that one year ago in 2020 was 11 0. Um, of those 11 wins, seven of them were less than seven points. But after they went 11 and 0, they limped into the playoffs. We finished one and five over their last six, including their playoff loss. They are 10, 13, and one their last 24 games. That's a season and a half, and so. win percentage, and in that time, they have only two wins versus teams with winning records. Two. Both those are this year. Uh, One was week one this season, one was about week 10. But That's the only two wins out of the last 24 games that the Steelers have against winning teams. Um, Just pathetic. I thought it was a pathetic performance by the Steelers. Um... Again, I think the Chiefs offensively, but their line played well. They ran the ball well. We saw a little bit of Mahomes being Mahomes. I didn't care for the the, uh, Travis Kelsey lining up at quarterback. If you listen to me long enough, you know I hate those Chiefs gimmick plays. I think they're bullshit. Um, But that's who they want to be. So what they're going to find out, the Chiefs, I think, will these next three weeks, whether they get past Buffalo this week or not, Um, they're going to find out they can't run those gimmick plays against good teams. And good teams are going to be ready for that. It just, it was a lot of bullshit, I thought, on the Steelers' part. I'm not trying to take anything away from the the Chiefs. The Chiefs won 42-21, they got down 7-0, and then they ran up the next next 35 points. And that's impressive. But the Steelers were just flat, freaking awful. And um, again, unless Mike Tomlin was told... Going into the season, Roethlisberger is the only guy. You don't get any more help at quarterback. This is what you got. Do the best you can. If not, he should be fired. That was just a gutless effort by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm going to get off my high horse on that for a moment. I'm going to talk about the next coach who should get fired. We're going to get into this, and this was, to me, I thought it was probably the best game of the week out of the games played this weekend. And this was Dallas and San Francisco. 49ers win the game 23-17. And everyone's talking about the same thing on Monday. And that is with, with 14 seconds to go in the game, Dallas decides to run a quarterback draw that picks up 17 yards, but then the Cowboys run out of time and can't get off a last play to try to throw the ball in the end zone. Now, I understand what McCarthy's thinking. I don't agree with it at all. Um, you're going to run out of time. You have to get down the field. Let's talk about the play for a second. And this, that one play isn't by the Cowboys' lost, but let's talk about it for a moment because he tried to defend that shit. Uh, one, I want to know who called the play. I'm assuming Mike McCarthy called the play. And if Mike McCarthy called the play, it's a fireable offense. If he's trying to cover up for Dak making a call at the line of scrimmage, then that's him trying to protect his quarterback. We'll talk about Dak a little bit later. But uh, Mike McCarthy, this was horrible. Um, they run the draw play. They get down to the uh, they get down again, 17 yards. They're gonna come down and spike the ball. Now there's, the clock's ticking. Cowboys are out of timeouts. Let's talk about all the things that can go wrong because this is what happened. They get to the line of scrimmage. The center has the ball. He puts it down. Of course, a center can't put the ball down. Only a referee can place the ball. So the umpire has to come running up, places the ball, touches the ball, snap goes. The snap comes after the, the umpire is out. The time's already up. But let's talk about it. First thing first. You run a draw play with no timeout. So you've got to run to the line of scrimmage. You're going to have to have a spike. What all can happen? Well, first, what if the spot's not good? What if you have to get the ball to the linesman who gets it to the umpire or to the referee and they spot the ball? Well, that takes time. Two, you've got to get everybody to the line of scrimmage. You've got to get everybody up the field, Um You've got linemen who drop back in pass. You've got linemen who drop back in, in uh, pass protection. You've got receivers down the field. Everyone's got to come back. Dak press has got to get everybody to the line of scrimmage. You've got to get set. Because if you don't get set, now you are you have a penalty and the game is over. you got to not false start. you got to you got to actually spike the ball. And you have to avoid any other penalties on the play. You left yourself in a spot where an illegal shift because the right guy wasn't on the line of scrimmage because they don't have a play called. Um, You don't get an actual play call in with that. All these sort of things can happen. There's just too much to be left up to the chance to make that play call at that point. Um, Any Pop Warner coach can tell you that. For some reason, Mike McCarthy still can't figure out how a time clock works. Um, if you're in Mike McCarthy's family, buy him a watch, a stopwatch, an alarm clock, put one on his iPhone. I don't care what you got to do, but that dude needs to learn how a clock works. And he ain't the only one, but he's probably the worst at it. Uh, Andy Reid might fight him for that, but it's that was the worst I've ever seen. But that isn't the reason the Dallas Cowboys lost that game. I'm going to give you two reasons the Cowboys really lost that game. One, 14 penalties. You heard me. 14 penalties. No team that has 14 penalties has any business winning a football game. Plain and simple. I mean, that's just ridiculous. That's not being well coached. That's not, that's not, in a playoff, in a playoff game. Now, look, I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan. Matter of fact, I'm one of the biggest Dallas Cowboy haters you will ever meet. I hate and despise the Dallas Cowboys. I was as happy as Stephen A. Smith to watch the Cowboys lose that game. But it was utterly ridiculous. The other thing, the biggest reason that the Cowboys lost that game and we've been saying it all season long. On the point five, or last week, we did the, both podcasts together. Ellen and I talked about it, and we said, would it surprise you if the Cowboys ran it all the way to the Super Bowl? I said, no, if they run the football, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. It doesn't surprise me if they ran the football, they'd be just fine. They could beat any team because their defense is good. Their defense can hold teams down. Don't turn the ball over. But instead, the Cowboys decided that Dak Prescott had to throw the football. 44 passes in this game, 21 runs. Lelly only had nine carries. There was no time in this game where the game was so out of hand you had to completely abandon the run. It just wasn't. The Cowboys' defense did everything they could to keep them in the game. Jimmy Garoppolo makes a mistake late in the game, gets the ball back to the Cowboys. The 49ers didn't play well in the last five minutes offensively. But the coaching staff of the Cowboys, the head coach and the offensive play caller, and I'm assuming that's Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, they are the ones who have gotten in the way. You've got Dak Prescott, who makes 40 million bucks. He should know better than some of this. Mike McCarthy went to and won a Super Bowl in Green Bay and then gets fired because he can't make any decisions. He just cannot manage a clock. He can't manage a team. His team got worse, worse, and worse, and worse every year under Green Bay after he did win the Super Bowl. There is... I thought it was a bad hire when they hired Mike McCarthy. I stand by that. But let me tell you the biggest indictment of the 44 passing plays. 44 passing passes. Your best offensive weapon, other than Ezekiel Elliott, you know, we'll set Zeke aside for now, is C.D. Lamb. One reception. And that reception didn't happen until late in the third quarter. Now, you can say, well, the 49ers defense is getting after him. If you can't get the ball to your best offensive weapon, what are you doing? Who's calling these plays? If you're busy trying to throw the ball to your third, fourth, fifth, sixth guy, what's the use of that? Why are you trying to throw the ball to Malik Turner or C.J. Goodwin or Cedric Wilson? Five times. Dalton Schultz shouldn't get seven receptions when C.D. Lamb has one. C.D. Lamb was targeted five times. In 43 attempts by Dak, they had one by the punter. So 44 passes, you threw one to your best receiver. That is full-on indictment of play calling. It's full-on indictment of everything the Dallas Cowboys are doing and that's why they don't win playoff games. It's why they have not been good. It's why they're never going to win a Super Bowl with the Jones family because they're going to keep allowing this to happen. I keep seeing that Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator, are interviewing for head coaching jobs. Dan Quinn's done a fine job. A fine job. A, a really good job this season. He's done a great job this season. And I think Dan Quinn's going to get a head coaching job again. But I wouldn't hire Kellen Moore to wash my laundry right now. And if anyone hires that guy to be your head coach, you're making a huge mistake. I would fire McCarthy. I'd fire I'd fire Kellen Moore. I think the play call has been dog shit. And I think it's been bad. And if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd be very, very upset. Now, me, I'm not upset at all because Cowboys fans... Your team deserved it, plain and simple. Gonna take a quick little break here. I just want to talk about O'Connor Advisory Group what we're doing here in the O'Connor Advisory Group. Um, you know, it's the new year We're you know, we're three weeks in, two and a half weeks in now, and we all have our New Year's resolutions. How are you doing on your New Year's resolutions? Are you sticking to that diet? Are you trying to lose some weight? Are you doing all right? Is this the year you're gonna get your money right? Is this year, year you're going to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to get out of debt or maybe not even just out of debt. I'm going to start saving some money, and start thinking about my retirement, my future. You know, imagine need a partner for that. You know, you try to lose weight, you hire a trainer. Maybe you get someone to help you with your diet. But when it comes to your money, don't you have to hire somebody to help you? That's what we do at O'Connor Advisory Group. We want to be your partner. We want to help you. So give us a shout. Go to O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. O-A-G-K-S.com is the shortcut. Hit the Contact Us button right there. You'll get an email. You'll send it right over to me, myself, Coach Bo. I'll be reaching out to you personally. And would love to just have a simple chat and see how we might be able to help you to get an idea of where you are. Let us help paint a roadmap from where you are today to where you want to be. And let us be your partner and your guide to get you from point A to point B. All right, now back to this fun stuff, the football stuff here. So um, going back to Saturday night, we had a couple of interesting games on Saturday. So I'm going to talk about the Bills and the Patriots first. Um, 47-17, Buffalo just spanks the Patriots. This is the worst performance I've seen by a Belichick team. I I can only recall one game where a Bill Belichick coached team played this poorly. Uh, And that was 15-plus years ago. uh, I recall a game they played in New Orleans against the Saints where they got beat something like 56-20 to or something ridiculous like that. Um, But it was just more of this was a team that is getting much, much better by the week, a team that's ready for prime time, and a team that just does not have the horses right now. Uh, You know, the Patriots went through... A little bit of a push, about a about two-thirds of the way in the season, they had like a five-game streak there where they just played great. I think a lot of that was scheme. That includes the game where they were New England beat Buffalo in Buffalo, that stormy day with the wind and everything else. Belichick really outcoached uh, Buffalo that day and, and Sean McDermott, and they really took it to him. But Buffalo... I think it's the hottest team in the AFC right now. This team is is firing on all cylinders. Josh Allen went 21 of 25, 308, five touchdowns. Uh, Singletary runs 16 carries for 81 yards, two touchdowns. Um, man, these guys are for real. Um, Josh Allen's for real. I'll say this. I think that Josh Allen, talent-wise, is in the Mahomes category. Monster, monster arm, can run, can make some plays with his feet. He had a play in the third quarter of that game where he is wearing a defensive end as a coat and runs through the tackle. Just runs away from the guy. Um, he's a bigger guy as far as his build. Uh, I don't. He. I think he's faster than Mahomes. Um, I, you could argue whose arm is better. I think Mahomes has got a little better arm. But Allen lets it rip. He could throw just as far. I don't know that he's as accurate, but uh, he does make some of those same plays with his feet. And, and Buffalo's offensive line is just dominating up front right now, too. Uh, we're going to see one hell of a game, Buffalo-Kansas City, this coming week. And uh, I'm going to pick the games for this coming week on the point five. Ellen and I are going to preview the whole thing. We're going to preview the whole weekend, all four games, I'm going to pick all four of them, uh, but what I can tell you right now is that's a great matchup, and I think that right now, I don't know that anyone's hotter than Buffalo is right now. They just played a phenomenal, phenomenal game. So not only did Allen throw 21 of 25, but also six rushes for 66 yards. They let him run the football. You know, a lot of times you tell your franchise quarterback, Stay in the pocket, or he can get outside, but throw the ball away. Buffalo's willing to call run plays for Josh Allen, and uh, they're just not worried about him getting hurt. They're just saying, "Hey, let's go, damn the torpedoes! We with with or without him, we're going to win this. Uh, they're a much better team with him, and they don't want to take that away from him. I think that's important for Buffalo. So, great game there. Uh, Buffalo was just really great, and um, I'm not going to talk too much about that. Harp on that. Tampa and Philly. So this game was Sunday. Tampa hosts the Eagles. Tampa wins 31-15. They got up 31-0 in this game at the end of the third quarter. Eagles get two late, cheap touchdowns. Really didn't mean anything. It was just, you know, clean-up mop-up time. Brady had a really solid game, 29-37, 271, two touchdowns. About what you expect from Tom Brady. Just let it rip. Uh, He threw to 10 different receivers in this game. Ten different receivers had a catch. Um, But what's most impressive to me, Tampa mixes the run and the pass, unlike anybody. 31 rushes in that game, and that's without Leonard Fournette. There was some talk that Leonard Fournette would be back and that he'd be able to play this week. Uh, They scratched him pregame, and he did not play. Uh, I would suspect he is back this coming week. We'll see. But, um, I mean, Tampa got so far ahead in this game, they just called the dogs off. And what I will say, I want to talk about something here, and it's not about just throwing praise at Tampa and the and the uh, and Brady. Um, we know how great they are, and they're one of the favorites moving forward. But I want to talk about Philly for a second. I bet the Eagles were the worst team in the playoffs. That was pretty much confirmed with their performance in this game. Um, but what I want to say is, yes, they were the worst team in the playoffs. They only had one win over a regular over a winning record this year. That was their win against the Saints. If you recall that Monday night game, the Saints were on their fourth quarterback with um, uh, Trevor Simeon playing quarterback. Uh, that game they lost. They no Kamara. They had uh, what was it like something like twelve or thirteen players out in COVID. It was just ridiculous. Um, actually, that wasn't even the Trevor Simeon. That was the Ian Buck game. So I mean, just that was a really bad game. It was Philly's only win against a a team with a winning record this past season. But I'm not going to give the Eagles a whole bunch of grief and say they're just awful. They were the worst playoff team. But with this expanded field, we have a couple of teams that aren't good. The Eagles and the Steelers are just about equally bad. I mean, the Steelers are a little better right now, but the Eagles have some things moving forward the Steelers don't. I think it's a testament to what the Eagles are doing, that they even were in the run for them at the playoffs. Uh, We talked about this on the Jones Report a lot this past offseason and even during the season that we really felt that the Eagles were one of those teams, when you looked at the salary cap, the implications of trading um, Carson Wentz, how smart do they look now on doing that deal, and said kind of, um, hey, let's just punt this season in 2022 That season will be better off. We'll know if the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, is a franchise quarterback. I do think Jalen Hurts is the franchise quarterback there. I think I would build around him, frankly. Uh, I think your coaching staff seems to like him. He's a good fit in their system. Uh, I think there's some good things. And, frankly, they're in a bad division. Washington's bad. We've seen the Cowboys are shit. And then you've also – the Eagles, Cowboys – Washington, who am I forgetting? And they're the Giants. Oh God, the Giants—they're—they're they're awful, and they just fired their coach. So we know they're—they're going to be behind the eight ball. So I look at the Eagles and think this is a team that's got a lot of draft picks. They've traded a lot of stuff to bring in lots of draft picks, lots of salary cap room. This could be an attractive place for a few free agents. It could be they bring in some young talent. They've got a couple of young players there already. I like what I see there for 2022-2023. It was almost too bad they made the playoffs because they looked pretty embarrassing this past week. But my hat's off to them as a team and as a franchise for getting there because I did not think they were going to win more than three or four games, and they showed me wrong on that one. Last two games, this one was the most interesting to me coming in. Uh, the Raiders go to Cincinnati. You know, the joke all week was um, the Bengals hadn't won a playoff game since 1991. Text messaging was actually invented in 1992. And that means that no person in the history of the world had ever texted someone saying that Cincinnati Bengals had won a playoff game. Um, The Bengals won this week, and they did it with Joe Burrow playing his worst game in two months. I thought the Raiders' front four played really well, actually. I thought the, the front four played well. Um, Bengals win the game by a touchdown, 26-19. Raiders were, were trying to score at the end of the game to make send it to overtime. Um, I thought that, really, the Bengals' defense and the Bengals' offensive line. The Bengals' offensive line had a rough game. Uh, Bengals' offensive line and their defense is why they're not going to win the Super Bowl. It's why they can't go to a Super Bowl right now. The Bengals are still a year away. 2022 is going to look a lot better for Cincinnati than 2021. They're really a year ahead. And Joe Burrow, I think, should be in that top five for the MVP. Uh, I think he played incredible throughout the season. Had his worst game, 24 of 34, 244, two touchdowns, which was a 110 rating. So I say he had his worst game in two months. But it was still a pretty outstanding performance. And a couple of throws he made were just, frankly, incredible. Um, You know, the couple of the balls to chase. And I will say right now, we're going to put this whole whistle controversy to bed. If you think the Raiders lost because of the whistle controversy, you just don't know shit about football. Um, If you don't know already, there was a play... Burrow is rolling out of, it looks like he's gonna roll out of bounds. Before he goes out of bounds, he throws the ball into the end zone. Touchdown to Chase. Right as Chase catches the ball, the side judge blows an inadvertent whistle trying to protect the quarterback going out of bounds. Now, by rule, that play should be dead and it should be replayed the down. But really, what's gonna happen? You replay the down. You think the Bengals aren't gonna score that time? I mean, they were just rolling up on the Raiders at the time. Uh, Raiders front seven, I thought, played pretty well. Again, Burrow to just 244, the two touchdowns. Um, but, they, but the Bengals did run the ball fairly well. The big thing to me is uh, the Bengals are going to have some problems with some of the elite teams. Buffalo, Kansas City, uh, even Tennessee. They're going to play Tennessee this week. Uh, We don't know what Tennessee is yet. We're going to talk about that this week. You know They're going to be getting Derrick Henry back possibly, so that's an interesting matchup to me. Uh, Every possession is going to mean something going forward for the Bengals. They're not going to be able to make a lot of mistakes. There's going to be a lot less room for error. Um, Having said that, I want to talk about the Raiders just for a second. The Raiders threw the ball 54 times. Now, this is just asinine. The, the, the entire second half, the Raiders abandoned the run game. When they do this, Jacobs ran 13 carries for 83 yards. He was averaging 6.4 yards a carry. The Bengals were having a problem against the run. But we see so often that these NFL teams are trying to get the big plays, the big chunks. We keep hearing of chunk plays. And trying to get 25 and 30 and 40 and 50 yards. But man, you got to be able to run the football. What we're seeing is what are we seeing from the teams that are winning these games? Tampa runs the football. San Francisco runs the football. Buffalo runs the football. Kansas City runs the football. The Rams on Monday night, they run the football. There is. You know, Tennessee, who's the number one seed. Green Bay, who's the number one seed. Green Bay can run the ball. They don't run the ball as much as the other teams do. Tennessee, we know, is a run first team. But what do six out of these eight teams have in common? They run the football very well. And that's going to be the difference, these cold weather games and these games. But 54 passes for the Raiders in the game. 54 passes. Your quarterback is Derek Carr. Let's not forget that. Let's, let's not glaze over that. Because if Derek Carr is your quarterback, you can't run the ball 54 times. You just plain and simply can't do it. He's not good enough. He's not good enough a player to make those kind of decisions. He's going to make mistakes. And Derek Carr did that, 29 at 54. That's just not very good at all. I mean, that, 310 yards. I'm not impressed with 310 yards on 54 attempts in the one touchdown. Um, I just, the Raiders have got to make a decision on Derek Carr. I know that I was looking at OverTheCap.net where you can see all the uh, info on the, the nerd stuff that I like, which is the salary cap stuff. Derek Carr is someone they can easily cut this off season with zero effect to the salary cap. It saves them $19 million on the cap, no dead money. I don't suspect Derek Carr is the quarterback of the Raiders next year. Um, as we're recording this, this is Monday night. Um, earlier today, we learned this evening that the Raiders have actually fired their general manager, Mike Mayock. Uh, I think that has to do more with also making the change of coach. Um, I do want to talk about um, Rich Rich Bishotti. Uh, I thought that he did a really admirable job. I think I would have voted for him for coach of the year. 10-7 uh, and 7 after what happened, were they lose Gruden in the middle of the season. He kept the boat right. But I thought the performance in the playoff game cost him the opportunity to stay as the head coach. Um, I think he will stay on that staff. It looks like they're doing a lot of interviews. Uh, I saw they're interviewing Gerard Mayo, who's a linebacker's coach for New England. Uh, They'll probably pair him up with one of New England's front office people, possibly. This is going to be one of those jobs where it's going to be you're hiring both the GM and the coach as a pair. And when they do that, the first thing they're going to do is decide what they're going to do with a quarterback. And the the Raiders are a situation where you can easily change quarterbacks. Uh, We're going to talk about quarterbacks at length uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. Because I have a theory here about I think there's more teams that have quarterback issues than there are teams that have quarterbacks. Um, I think there's only 10 or 12 good quarterbacks in the NFL. 10 or 12 Quarterbacks that are capable of taking you to a championship. And Derek Carr is not one of them. So, um, Bengals win. Uh, Bengals will be playing at Tennessee coming up on Saturday. Uh, that'll be Saturday, the early game at 3.30 Central Time. Uh, should be a good game. I want to see what's going to happen with Derek Henry. If Derek Henry plays, that's going to be a rough game for the Bengals. Um, can't waste any possession of Cincinnati that game. Last game this past week, Rams-Cardinals. This is the Monday night game. The first Monday night playoff game, uh, the Rams just dominated this game. They dominated this game in every which way. Uh, they win the game 34-11. Uh, r- Number one thing I saw that I look at this team and I go, wow, that's the most complete team. Now, I chose the Rams preseason as the Super Bowl champs. I chose them to win the NFC. I select the Rams and the Titans, and I still think they're going to go that way. I think Buffalo might be the team that can beat the Titans, but uh, in Kansas City, I think they going to have a chance against the Titans as well. Um, But the Rams, I don't think they're going to have any problems. I think they're going to win this coming week too. Um, And here's why. There's really a couple things that I saw. First off, they're physical. They're just flat effing physical. I think the Rams and the Bills are the two most physical teams on the field. And the Rams are by far the most physical team in the NFC. Um, They swarm to the ball on defense. They have lots of speed. When you have Aaron Donald up front, that certainly helps. And people have said, well, he's not playing as well as he could be. They're talking about T.J. Watt and some funky number, you know, because he went and uh, tied the sack record. What you don't see is that yes, Aaron Donald's not going to break a sack record, but offenses have to qualify, they have to look at him on every single play, and they have to put two guys on him. You'll see player plays where three guys are hitting Aaron Donald. If that's happening, then somewhere someone's getting loose. Either they are going after the quarterback or they're filling holes for the rush game, the run game. The Rams swarm on defense. Jalen Ramsey's playing great on the backside. I just, they're going to be a tough out. Um, They run the football. So this week, (laughs) let me get the number here. All right, Stafford only throws for 13 of 17. They threw the ball 17 times in this game. They didn't have to because they run the football. 38 rushes, 140 yards. And the Rams came out. On the very first play, if you get a chance, go back and watch it. I literally went, whoa, out loud and yelled. It yelled. They heard me upstairs. I was in the basement watching the game. My wife could hear me. The first play of the game, you got a little combo block. Andrew Whitworth, the future Hall of Fame left tackle for the Rams, just destroys the outside linebacker from the Cardinals, opens up a hole so big you could drive a Jeep through it, and it goes for 21 yards. It just set the tone. from the very first play, the Rams were going to be physical. Now, Whitworth got rolled up on the play, and he missed the rest of the possession, but he came back in and played. He played spectacular all night. If you don't know, if you're not watching Big Whit, Andrew Whitworth, if you just don't watch – if you watch offensive line play – Number 77, he's the left tackle. I think he's the best in the league. And he is really, really incredible. He played awesome tonight. The thing that's also scary, boys and girls, Odell Beckham looks like he's comfortable. Cooper Cup's had a great season, and he's a good player. But Odell Beckham is a great player. And Odell Beckham looks like he's now comfortable. And that spells trouble. For everybody, because now you can't you can't double Cooper Cup. You've got to be ready for Beckham. You've got to be ready for Higby. You've got to be ready for that run game. I, y'all, the Rams are going to do this thing. I, the Rams are going to beat the Packers this week, and, and I think that this is going to be a tough. This is going to be a, a good game. Um, on the flip side, Arizona. Arizona reminds me of the Steelers last season. The Cardinals were 10-0. and They were 10-0. and They finished 11-6, 11-7 with the playoff loss. Uh, they lost five of their last six games, including the playoff game. Um, earlier this week, Arizona's coach says that, Tyler, that uh, Kyler Murray would have to play the biggest game of his career. And he will play the biggest game of his career. When we were talking on the point .5 this past week, I said, hey, for Kyler Murray, for the Cards to win, Kyler Murray is going to have to have the best game of his career. Well, he didn't. 19 of 34, 137, two interceptions, both on tip passes. And I don't want to hear that tip passes aren't, aren't interceptions. Yeah, they are, because once that ball's tipped, it's going to the defense. And if if it, It's either going to hit the ground or go to the defense. So uh, Kyler Murray played scared. The offensive line let him down. I I, think, I just don't think that Cliff Kingsbury is that good a coach. I don't know how he got that job in the first place. I mean, it's a guy who was going to be the offensive coordinator at USC, and all of a sudden he gets the head coaching job for the Arizona Cardinals. I know he's a good-looking guy, but that doesn't mean he deserves that job. So, uh, again, this game was more about the Rams, two teams going in different directions. The Rams, who I think are the best team in the NFL right now, and the Cardinals team that if they hadn't come out on fire, they wouldn't have even made the playoffs. Hey, we're proud to have a new sponsor as well, uh, Trunk Club by Nordstrom. So you want to get $50 off your first Trunk Club? I love Trunk Club. Trunk Club is great. It, I love it because I'm not a person who picks out clothes. I'm actually really bad at picking out clothes. If you know me, I dress like a football coach. Um, but what I love about Trunk Club is – They send you some stuff. You can get your box monthly or every two months or every quarter. However often you want to get your box. You set your budget. You tell them what sizes you want. You tell them what style you want. And they send you stuff. And you look at it. You try it on. You say, do I like this? Do I not like this? If you're like me, you ask your wife. If she says you like it, then you keep it. And you pay for what you keep and you send back what you don't want. They're easy to work with and they're great. Check the show notes. Use the link in our show notes. You'll get $50 $50 off your first trunk club, uh, your first trunk from Nordstrom Trunk Club. Give it a shout. Check out the link. And uh, you can do that while you're listening to us right now. So go to the go to the show notes. Click on the link. Do it now. We still got a few more minutes while I'm talking. Hey, okay. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about a couple things here. It's a couple things. There's kind of overall... Things I saw over the weekend in football that I want to talk about. A couple of points. Uh, first, thing I want to talk about is Dak Prescott. So, um, again, if you know me, you know I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan, but I do like Dak Prescott. I think if you watched, especially if you watched uh, Hard Knocks, you could see how professional he carries himself. The way he he carries himself like a franchise guy, like a guy that's the front man. For the team, the guy who's going to answer the questions, he's you know now he, he's the guy who got the big contract as well. You know he's getting paid forty million a year on average now, um, but he's got to play better. He's just simply got to play better. If the Dallas Cowboys are going to continue to try to grow and to be a um, a superstar team, to be a, a a serious Super Bowl contender, Dak Prescott has to play better. And he just hasn't. Um, I do think a lot of this is Mike McCarthy. I think a lot of it's the play calling. I absolutely do. They're not taking advantage of the fact that Dak Prescott can run the read option. We saw him when he was in college at Mississippi State. We saw him in his first few years the Cowboys. And the Cowboys have absolutely abandoned that. Um, they're not helping him by not running the football. And I'll argue that no quarterback alone carries a team. You know, Tom Brady's won all these Super Bowls. But what we just talked about right now, what they're doing, what the Bucks are doing better than everybody is mixing the pass and the run game. What did they do very well for the last five weeks of the season last season and in the playoffs? They mixed the pass and the run. Dallas would behoove them to quit trying to be so flashy. It, it I understand that Jerry Jones wants an impact. He wants guys who are going to be. Um, he, he wants to, he wants a show. He wants a great show in his great circus and his great arena. I get that. But if he wants to win the Super Bowl, which Jerry Jones hasn't done since Jimmy Johnson left, he took Barry Switcher took Jimmy Johnson's team and won one. But that's Jimmy Johnson's team. Since those teams, the Cowboys have been awful. They've won one playoff game since then. And frankly, there's a lot of issues there. I want to go back to the draw play at the end there. So it looks like that was actually a call play by the coaching staff. And if it was, again, that's just, that alone's a fireball offense for me when it comes to Mike McCarthy. Um, but if it was a check at the line and Dak made that call, I still think Dak has to know better. The franchise quarterback, the guy making the big paycheck, he has to know better. He has to play at a level better than everyone else on that team. And this season he has not done that. He's played phenomenal at times, but you look at the games where Dax played the best. I don't mean had the most yards, I don't mean the most carry the most um, completions. I'm talking about the game where he was the most effective as a quarterback. It's the games where they run the ball and they let Dax settle in. Look, everybody does that. That's how literally every quarterback plays. No one goes back there and slings it 40 times every every week. If you do, it's because the rest of your team's not very good. Now, what has to happen for Dak Prescott to get better? One, I think that the head coach has to go. Dak Prescott's not going anywhere. Um, He has the next three seasons under contract. Uh, It's too big of a salary cap hit. They can't trade him. He's not going anywhere. They're locked into at least one more year of, his, of Zeke and probably two. When I looked at the salary cap earlier, and I don't think that Zeke Elliott's going anywhere. I do expect Amari Cooper to go. I expect him to be cut or traded. Uh, he's one contract. They're over on the cap. They're going to have to make some room. That's one they can do. But C.D. Lamb is their best receiver, and they've got pieces around the quarterback, though. Um the last thing I'm going to say is, when it comes to Dak Prescott, is I was really disappointed in his comments after the game regarding the fans throwing trash on the field. If you haven't seen this yet, uh, you know, Dak was front and center in front of the media, which he does very well normally. And, again, you have to do that if you're the franchise guy. And he was, and he made a comment when asked about fans throwing Water bottles and trash onto the field, and he says, "You know, that's it's inexcusable to throw that at the at the players." And one of the um, one of the guys from the press said, "Well, they were throwing it at the refs." And Dak jokingly, I saw the jokingly of it. He did giggle when he said it. Said, "Well, you know, I guess I'll condemn, I'll, I'll condone that, or however he put it, but basically saying, hey, he condoned that." Um, it really seemed like the Cowboys really wanted to pin that loss on the referees. Uh, they should pin that loss on the fat guy who doesn't know how the time clock works. But um, I just think there's some things that Dak Prescott and that Dallas Cowboys have got to do to help him. And he's going to have to do some things moving forward if they're going to be more successful as a franchise. And he is a player. Um, my other big take from the football this weekend was expanding the playoffs was a huge mistake. Now, it's great for money. The NFL got two more games out of it. They get to have six games this week instead of four. Um, You know, instead of having the four, you usually have the one and the two seed get by. You only had four games this weekend, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. And so they had six, you know, two on Saturday, three Sunday, one Monday night. Of course, you know, it's appointment television. And that's what this is all about. In the end, the NFL, as much as we all love it, it is a business. These teams are worth billions, billions of dollars. And the NFL wants to get more games onto the field. But if you look, the last teams in, the Steelers, the Eagles, they just didn't deserve to be there. Um, they're both just bad football teams. But the dollars are going to prevail. The dollars prevail so we have the two extra games. But what I don't want to hear, we've added another week. We have a 17-game schedule now instead of a 16-game schedule. You added the extra two playoff teams. But what happened to all that player safety stuff? Is this something where the players sold their soul? Because, I mean, now the players are getting 50% of all the revenue is put back into the salary cap. You know, teams have a minimum they have to spend as well. Uh, we'll get into all that in the offseason. We're going to talk a lot about that stuff in the off-season. There'll be a lot of stuff we talk about in the point .5 because the business of that really does, uh, it interests me quite a bit. But um, you notice we haven't heard anything about player safety this year? In the year where they increase the number of games and increase the number of playoff games, it's funny how when the dollars go up, everyone gets a little quiet about player safety. So I just find that pretty interesting. Last thing I've got today, and uh, we're going to get out of here on this one, is um, one non-football take. I I want you guys to bear with me. This a tennis take, and um, if if you've been living not living under a rock, you know what's been happening with Novak Djokovic. Okay, so Novak Djokovic is um, a Serbian tennis player, number one player in the world, and a defending two-time defending Australian Open champion. Uh, Novak Djokovic is not getting vaccinated for COVID nineteen, and has gone to Australia. Uh, he was at first given uh, granted some sort of a visa, which is reviewable upon entry, and now the Australian government has kicked him out of the country. Now, I'm not going to get into the whether someone should vaccinate or not vaccinate. That is not important to the argument here. What is important is that there are rules, there are laws, there are rules in Australia, and in Australia you cannot come into the country if you're not vaccinated. So Novak Djokovic has been banned from the Australian Open, and um, we're going to talk a bit about this because I, I I think what he has done here is really tainted um, his to taint on his character and to taint on his legacy again. Not necessarily the vaccination piece, to each their own on that. Um, Now, Novak Djokovic was granted a visa. Uh, All visas under Australian law are reviewable upon entry. They're not a guarantee of entry. That's quoted. Now, I've got all this information from the Sydney Morning Herald, just to get the timeline straight and everything else. Um, Novak Djokovic uh, came into the country. And we're going to talk about what's happened. Now, Novak Djokovic... Uh, had COVID back in 2021, if you saw uh, when he did have COVID, he had tested positive for COVID. There's a famous video, a viral video of him out partying while COVID, po- while uh, positive, uh, testing positive for the, without, the ma- without wearing a mask. I'm sorry. I'm, um, he also, during this time, uh, right after, I mean a day or two right after testing positive for COVID, uh, hosted a kids clinic, knowing that he was positive for the COVID for COVID nineteen. He was also part of a media interview while while also knowingly positive for COVID just a day later. Uh, it was a photo shoot and an interview for a magazine. Um, this all took place in his home country of Serbia. Um, he admitted that he would that he had not isolated when he was tested positive. You know, he went out there and did these things um, on his declaration for his visa. Uh, it turns out that he uh, had provided false information. Uh, now, Australian law says if you've tested positive for COVID-19 in the past six months, you can't come in. Uh, there's some other things in there. We've seen now is Novak Djokovic has thrown his agent into the bus. He said that his agent filled out the visa forms and that he put the incorrect information. Uh, upon entry into Australia... Knowing that Djokovic had not uh, been vaccinated, he was asked to supply vaccination information or uh, some sort of um, uh, some sort of a a exception to the law um, that was not granted for him in, in in advance. So he went for an appeal. He has lost his appeal. He has since been banned from Australia. Uh, He has been sent back to Serbia. Uh, My understanding is he went to Dubai and then from Dubai back to his home country. Um, But here's where I have a problem. This is a quote from Novak Djokovic. It's an honor and a privilege to take part in the Australian Open. Now, again, to each their own. If Novak Djokovic did not want to get vaccinated, he knew the consequence was he could not play in the Australian Open. It's the same as if your employer says, if you don't get vaccinated, we're not gonna keep you working. We're gonna let you go. I'm not saying I agree with that, but what I am saying is, you know the consequences of the behavior. And if you're willing to accept those consequences, I got no problem with that. I've also got no problem with you not getting vaccinated if, whether you are positive or negative, you're out and you're out here and you are wearing your mask, you're behaving in a way that's not spreading possible COVID uh the COVID-19 um the, the whole the whole thing. So is he really if it's an honor and privilege to take part in the Australia Open, why is he not behaving like that? Instead, Novak Djokovic is acting like a spoiled athlete. We hear about spoiled athletes. This is the very definition of that. I think he's going to get an exception because, well, he's Novak Djokovic. He's the number one tennis player in the world, the 10-time champion of the Australian Open. Um, I applaud the Australian Open. I applaud the country of Australia for not giving him the exemption. This guy knowingly lied. He knowingly gave false information. He tried to circumvent the rules To me, Novak Djokovic is no different than Aaron Rodgers in that way. You know, I'm someone who has been an Aaron Rodgers fan in the past. And I will say, I lost a lot of respect for Aaron Rodgers. And as someone who, I'm not a great follower of tennis, but knowing what he's accomplished on the court, I've been an admirer of Novak Djokovic. And I gotta be frank, when I see these things, when I see the viral video of him being out with people without a mask, knowing that he's tested, he's positive for COVID-19 at the time, knowing that he took part in a kid's clinic, knowingly positive for COVID. He was part of a media interview in a, in a photo shoot, knowingly not wearing a mask and not behaving in a way. I really lose a lot of respect for that. Again, it's not about whether you want to get the vaccination or not. That's your own personal preference. I have zero issues with that but behave like a member of society and think about others with your actions. You know, I know some people, whether they are friends or clients or whomever, who are not getting the vax, and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But the people I know who aren't doing that, what are they doing? They're still wearing their masks around people. They're trying to limit the spread of COVID-19. We've been dealing with this for almost two years now. Now, we are seeing that in the Omicron version, and I'm not a scientist, I'm not going to sit here and try to quote science, but we're seeing that the spread of it is more, uh, it's easier spread, but not as deadly. But at the same time, can we, again, let's do some things. One thing that Australia has done as a country, they've basically locked the borders down. They've said, hey... Their, their prime minister said they were going to lock the borders down. They're not going to allow for a lot of exemptions for these sort of things. Everybody else who is international, who came into the Australian Open, had to get the jab. So I, I have a real problem with what Novak Djokovic did because I feel like he lied. I feel like he was misleading. And this goes back to the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. You know, I'm someone that a few weeks ago absolutely killed Kyrie Irving. If you listen to the pod, you know that I was... Just, I was on him saying this is selfish, this is everything else, because he wanted he wanted to play road games but not home games. Now, since that, the Brooklyn Nets have allowed that. I still think that behavior is, you know, definitely not great. But what we do see, every time you see Kyrie Irving in an interview, what do you see? He's wearing his mask. He's being respectful for those around him. And that's all we're asking nowadays. Be respectful of those people around you. So Novak Djokovic, I got a real problem with you. Uh, I just, that really disappoints me because he's someone that, again, I've admired his play. I don't know Novak Djokovic from anybody, but I do know and I've admired his play as a tennis player and his dominance. And it's too bad to see the carelessness and the crass behavior that really is sort of the definition of the entitled, the, the quote-unquote entitled athlete. So um, that's where we're at today. Hey, we're going to uh, wrap it up here now. I want to go over real quick, divisional round NFL games, uh, Saturday schedule, Bengals at Titans, Saturday, 3.30s are all central time uh, here in Kansas. Uh, San Francisco at Green Bay, Saturday, 7.15. Rams, Bucks Sunday, 2 p.m., Bills-Chiefs, Sunday, 5.30. We will preview all four games at length on the .5. Ellen will be in. We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about a few other things as well. Um, We're going to talk about that. We'll also then have next Monday, Episode 22, we'll review everything. These next couple of weeks, we'll be back to interviews on Mondays. But I wanted to, during the NFL playoffs, kind of review, kind of give my thoughts Kind of get the football nerd stuff out of me a little bit and uh, kind of just see where I was at with some stuff. So I also want to thank everybody. Hey, I want to thank everybody last thing. And this was last week. It kind of opened up. You know, I was I missed earlier in the week. We did one large mega pod on uh, the middle of the week on on Friday. And, um, you know, Ellen came in. We talked quite a bit. And then uh, Hayden came on to talk WWE and AEW. But I am absolutely overwhelmed by the text messages, the um, couple of a few emails, folks who just said, hey, thanks for sharing and uh, thanks for what you're doing. I, I find this podcast to be very cathartic and uh, it's one of the reasons I'm doing this. It's not just an advertisement for my business. It's really to be kind of let some things out with me as well. And um, I was very overwhelmed this week with just the love and appreciation knowing that I lost someone close to me and uh, someone I loved. And so uh, I- I'm going to end on that. I want to say thank you to everybody who lives uh, listening. Uh, it really does mean a lot to me that you guys listen, that you uh, interact with the show, whether that's you know on social media. Again, we're going to be stepping up our social media game here in the next few weeks, but also just the interaction from my friends, people I know who listen to the podcast, even if you don't listen to the whole thing. I appreciate it. So, um, But I do appreciate all of you, and thank you for the kind thoughts this past week. So um, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank Tyler Jones, Studio Soapbox, all he does behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Uh, Don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, Hit us with five stars. If you give us less than five stars, we'll keep your opinion to yourself. But we really appreciate every five-star review. And here's what it does. It helps us move up the rankings to where more people find our podcast. They find out more about us, what I'm doing here, well, we've got Ellen here with us now, uh, and what we're doing. And Ellen's going to be even more full-time. Here, so we're going to bring her on some Monday Pop as well. So just a lot of this stuff. I'm hoping to do some of that in the next few weeks and we will have interviews coming back soon as well so uh until next time i'm coach beau brian O'Connor. have a great week remember your time tokens are all non-refundable so use your time wisely hug somebody tell somebody you love them and we will see you on the Friday.